Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode. If you like what you hear today, please take a screenshot and share it out. If you do that on social media, tag me so I can connect with you. I am at the handle About Progress on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me and our show notes online also at aboutprogress.com. Today's guest came from a nomination. So if you would like to nominate someone, you can email me at packerprogress at gmail.com. Let's talk about our guest today who was nominated by a dear friend. Her name is Danielle Stepp. Danielle was finally blessed with a daughter after years of trying to get pregnant, but when Macy was three months old, she was shocked to learn that she had cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma. She then embarked on 12 rounds of chemotherapy, and Danielle was sustained by family, friends, her tremendous faith in God, as well as her tenacious fighting spirit. Danielle shares about the sacred time of her life and the great lessons she gleaned, especially about how she views time differently now. Hello, I am here with Danielle Stepp. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for taking the time. Can you please start by giving our listeners an introduction to who you are? Sure. My name's Danielle Stepp. I'm 34 years old. I live in Lexington, Kentucky with my wonderful husband, Travis, who I've been married to for 11 years, Um, our 18-month-old baby girl, Macy, and our 16-year-old Yorkie named Pooh. Well, you've got your hands full there, right? Like all the strangers say at the grocery store, but it's true. You've got your hands full right now. So, you know, a lot of people might recognize your voice from the Extraordinary Moms podcast where you were highlighted and then you were interviewed for a follow-up. And I loved getting to know you there. And we just wanted to have the opportunity. Your friend um, nominated you to be interviewed Uh on my show. And we wanted to explore you a little more and the trials you faced and and how you have overcome them and what you're working on now to do that. So, um, First, I want to go back a little bit. A lot of people might know you have dealt with cancer, and we will be talking Mm -hmm. about that as a young mother. But I know that you faced other trials within your family, and that was when you were trying to start your family. I was hoping you could start with us there about what it was like to try to start your family and the obstacles you faced. Sure. Um, So Travis and I had been married probably six years when we started trying to extend our family mm-hmm. and um to no avail we uh, struggled for I'd say it was a little over four years mm-hmm. um we were trying to get pregnant and it was really a an emotional roller coaster every month trying and getting excited and then getting let down just over and over so I finally saw a doctor mm-hmm. and he said you know you probably have endometriosis let's check it out so um 
he did and i did have endometriosis so after he cleared out all of the cobwebs yeah um, within a couple months i was pregnant but sadly um about two weeks later i, I did have a miscarriage uh, after that pregnancy but you know i just kept praying lord let me get pregnant just please let me get pregnant and he did but i i kind of probably was praying for the wrong thing um after I went to the doctor after the miscarriage, he said that, you know, there was nothing I did wrong. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything that I did, but just it was an unhealthy embryo or a pregnancy. So I immediately just started praying, Lord, let me get pregnant with a, a healthy baby. Um, no matter what, whatever illness or cancer, just please just, you know, give give me that instead of the baby. Yeah. And two months later, I was pregnant and we've got Macy. Wow. Well, there, there's just so much that I love about your journey, and it seems so hard, too. I mean, four years of heartache before you were even able to have your first pregnancy, and then losing that, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. And I was wondering if there was something that helped you through that time, especially that you would hope another woman could have if she is in a similar situation. Well, the doctor telling me that, you know, I think all women who have miscarriages, we feel guilty like we did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was nice. to I spoke to other mothers and it's amazing how many women do have miscarriages and they just don't really talk about it. It's more taboo, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, just hearing other moms and just, you know, it wasn't anything that I did wrong and just trying to let go of that guilt and realizing that. It wasn't my fault. Um, it really, it really helped. Mm-hmm. And just talking to other moms who'd been through it, and um, just knowing that it wasn't my fault really made a difference. And I feel like times are shifting a little too. It's nice that it's not as taboo to talk about, uh, so that we can connect with people who are yeah. in similar situations like that. And you know, after so the road is not was not over for you. You had. Uh, you know, your pregnancy and you had your sweet baby Macy, but then you probably had um, some signs and symptoms that were starting to impact your health. Can you tell me about what was happening there that led up to your diagnosis? Well, I was losing my baby weight super fast, which to me was awesome. I was like, yeah, all my girlfriends were like, holy cow, how are you losing your weight so fast? But, um, you know, I was, I lost all my baby weight within a month or two, um, I was having the fatigue, but who doesn't with an infant? So that really wasn't a red flag to me. Um, the night sweats I was still having, which could be hormone related. Um, all those things that went along with post-pregnancy were still happening, which I guess is kind of normal. Um, the first, I guess, red flag was on Easter Sunday morning when I was getting ready for church. I was in the shower and I found a lump in the side of my breast. And that terrified me. I think I spent the entire morning Googling breast cancer and just seeing, um, you know, if it, what caused or how to check yourself for it. My lump was actually painful to the touch and everything I was reading said that it wasn't. So I felt a little alleviated, but I did call my doctor first thing the next morning, like at 8.02 AM. And he got me in the same day and he saw me and he checked it out and he said you know I think that it's a reactive lymph node maybe it's milk related like a milk duct or something Mm. he didn't think there was anything to worry about but he still scheduled me a mammogram 
So I went in the following week for the mammogram, and the radiologist didn't like what she saw. So then she did an ultrasound and still didn't like what she saw. So then she did a corneal biopsy on me where um, they sent it off for breast cancer. And actually, they sent it off for lymphoma, too, because my grandfather had passed away from lymphoma. Um, But I got the results back within a few days, and they were good. There was no cancer. Um, The the lump was a reactive lymph node, um, which meant that it could be precancerous, but nothing urgent um the doctor just said you might want to have that removed in the next year or so but it's nothing pressing at this moment so i definitely put that on the back burner with macy with an infant being in tow so yeah and so what happened from there then because you know i was i thought that was um you know a big sign of what you yeah were going through. well during that time i started i got this really bad cough I developed and it would not go away. So um, this was like a two week time frame. Uh, I went to the doctor and they told me I had bronchitis and they sent me home with antibiotics and it just wouldn't go away. And um, I went, I saw the doctor on Wednesday by Friday night, I had developed this severe pain in my chest in the left Mm -hmm. side that I'm pretty tough. So um, when I say it's severe, it's probably like a 16 on a 10 scale. Um, And it, it was to the point where on by Friday night, I couldn't sit up. I could only lay on my side to be able to breathe comfortably. Um, and then the next morning on Saturday, Macy starts crying, and she's in her bassinet beside the bed, and I roll over to pick her up, and there was a loud pop in my chest, and I instantly couldn't breathe. Oh. I was smothering. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. So, Did you have to take an ambulance? No, Travis, um, I couldn't even breathe enough to holler upstairs to tell him what was going on. So I started texting him and I said, you need to, I'm ready to go to the ER because he'd been trying to get me to go to the ER and I just, Mm. I don't do doctors very well. So, Mm. um, he took me to the ER and they were almost positive that it was pneumonia, but the amount of fluid that had built up around my lungs, uh, they couldn't see in the scan if it was pneumonia or not and the the loud pop was actually my lung had collapsed oh my goodness and that's why I, I couldn't breathe but yeah they thought it was pneumonia at first so did they treat it as pneumonia for a few days or were they able to see um pretty quickly that it was something else that was on a Saturday morning. They admitted me and they told me that they were going to perform a thoracentesis on me the next morning, um, which is a procedure where they go in between your rib cage with a huge needle oh, and they just ouch. draw off the fluid. I know I, I oh. really hate needles, oh, but yeah, the doctors and nurses were like, you're going to feel like a brand new woman when you sit up on the table. It's going to be life changing. Like, you, you know, don't be scared. It's going to be great. So I went in the next morning and the doctor is pulling off bag after bag of fluid. And he was kind of shocked because I'm not, I'm five feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, He was just amazed at the amount of fluid that he was drawing off of my lungs based on my size. And he finally got to an ending point and he could still see that there was like five or 600 more cc's in my chest. He'd already taken off 1100. And he, um, he, he said, you know, if you've got this much fluid on your lungs, at some point in the bottom of it, it'll start to solidify and take on the consistency almost of like an orange peel. Um, oh. So the only way to fix that was to do surgery. 
And so before I even sat up on the table, he was telling me I needed, you know, to have that done. And when I sat up, um, you know, the doctors, they told me that I was going to be able to breathe and everything would be great. But as soon as they sat me up on the edge of that, that gurney, um, I collapsed again. I couldn't breathe. The pain was just awful. I saw a, a team of nurses rushing to me with a medical cart and oxygen and I saw the doctor whip around me from, I don't even know where he came from, but I could tell on their face that something, something wasn't right at that point. Oh my goodness. So tell me about what happened from there. They get me back to my room. I've still got oxygen on. I think that's when they put me in ICU and that was a Sunday afternoon. They went ahead and scheduled surgery for Tuesday morning to go in and scrape out all the, they called it gunk around my lungs. Mm. And I told him about the reactive lymph node and the surgeon was like, yeah, let's go ahead and get that out of you. That way you don't have to be put to sleep again this year. Mm. And um, so that was the game plan. I, I went into surgery Tuesday morning and the doctor said, you know, let's scrape out all that, get your lymph node out. And then we're going to hit you with some really strong antibiotics and send you home to your family. So I was like, awesome. So um, I go into surgery and they, I, when I wake up, I was in the little recovery area and the surgeon was standing over top of me and he said, Danielle, you, you're doing fine. You're doing good. Surgery went great, but you have cancer. And oh I, my I just, I said, what? Cause I was still, you know, under anesthesia and I was like, what? And he said, you're doing great. I've already told your family you have cancer and your husband wants to see you now. And he disappeared behind the curtain. So, wow. of course, I was just laying there like, this has to be a bad dream. This, It's just a bad dream. Um, And then my husband came around the side of the curtain and I saw his face. And Mm. that's when I knew it wasn't a bad dream. So what kind of cancer did they they find? Stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. After 11 days in the hospital, we finally got the the results in. Yeah. So this, I, it was like seven days after that, that I found out, but I knew I had lymphoma. I just didn't know if it was non-Hodgkin's or Hodgkin's and what stage, which my oncologist said it didn't matter if it was stage one or stage four, I would have done the same exact treatment. Um, wow. It doesn't no matter. Okay. That's interesting to know that. If someone's yeah. not familiar with uh, lymphoma in general, the the kind that you have, how would you describe it? It's a blood cancer. Um, it's sort of like leukemia. I mean, leukemia lymphoma is pretty much the same. They both run through your your blood system. Mine was just in my lymph nodes. And actually, after uh, they removed the lymph node from my arm, they removed a few extra ones. That was indeed cancer. It was just on the opposite side from what they biopsied. Oh, wow. So it was a, it was a blessing that, you know, I... I had them take that out because it had started, it was all in my chest, in the fluid, and up my arm, into my armpit and my lymph nodes. So how old was your baby at this point? How old was Macy? Three months. So you've got a three-month-old and all the stress and demands that that entails (laughs) of this new phase of life and now you're battling cancer. And as you said, these treatments... I mean, they're the same regardless of the stage that you're in. 
So what was the the way that they were planning on treating you and what is it like to be going under cancer treatments? Um, well, my cancer, I had 12 rounds of chemo ahead of me, which oh um, we did every other week. So it was six months of chemo treatments. Uh, a normal day in the life of a chemo patient is you go in first thing in the morning and you have to see the doctor. They weigh you because your chemo amount is based on how much you weigh down to the ounce. Um, then the doctor would take me out, see if anything was going on, evaluate me, and then send me in for blood work. And then after blood work, it would take like 45 minutes, I guess. Um, and if it came back and all my levels were high enough and I was doing okay, then they would give me the green light to start chemo. And I had a port in my chest, which is kind of like a little box that's under your skin. Mm -hmm. And it actually has a catheter that runs from it through your artery down into your heart. Because the chemo is just so toxic, you can't run it through like an IV or your veins. Because it would, I guess, basically singe um, your veins. So once I got the green light, they would start my... I was on four chemo drugs. um, Mm -hmm. And... Three of them would just go through like an IV. They would hang it up by a bag from like a biohazard um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the the fourth one that I got was called Adriamycin. They call it Red Devil because it's so strong and so potent that they literally had to give it to me manually through a push syringe. Because um, wow. it's so strong it would kill your tissue in your chest. So they would push a little bit and then pull back and check for blood return. As long as there was good blood return, then they would keep going with it. But if there wasn't blood return, then it was probably, you know, killing parts of my, my tissue. But luckily, thank God I'm blessed. That never had to, you know, that never happened. I I was always, I I took really well to the chemo. So after the, it took about four hours to run its course Mm -hmm. and then they would send you home. You know, this sounds like um, I've, I've obviously had friends uh, with, with cancer, you know, people in my life, and that sounds like a crazy amount of treatments. It sounds like um, it's uh, what's just, just more intense than, than uh, maybe a typical way to go about that. Why, why, is, it, why is it so much more? Um, some doctors will treat you with less chemo and radiation, Uh, My doctor didn't treat me with radiation. He removed the lymph nodes that had the cancer in it, and then the rest of it was just kind of in my chest wall around my lungs. That's what caused all of the fluid to build up, to collapse. Mm -hmm. So my regimen was just chemo. Um, And he by chemo number six or something, they had already deemed me cancer-free, but he wanted to finish out the full 12 cycles to make sure it didn't come back. Okay. So, you know, for people who aren't too familiar with it, I mean, chemo is basically injecting like poison, right? In your body. Yeah. Right. So what side effects did you have to deal with on the daily for six months? Wow. Um, There's a lot of side effects. Mm -hmm. Um, The fatigue was probably the most um, noticeable. I had pregnancy fatigue, obviously, a few months earlier, but chemo fatigue is in a league of its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, most days I wasn't even strong enough to lift Macy, who was just three and a half, four months at the time. Yeah. Um, the chemo brain, you forget, like, 
it's kind of like mom brain, but on mm. steroids, you, um, it's, there's just a, there's a block in between your brain and your mouth. Some days I had, oh my gosh, there were dark spots on my fingernails and toes, toenails. I don't know wow. what those even came from. Of course the hair loss, mm-hmm. which to me was the hardest part of cancer was losing my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, my eyesight's not as good. There's just, there's tons of side effects that people don't even realize um, with chemo. And that can be least... long after too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about why the hair loss was the hardest part for you? Oh gosh. I said from day one, I'm not scared of cancer, but I'm terrified of losing my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, just Hair's always been my identity. I've always had really long hair. When I was little, my mom would actually put it up in a ponytail on top of my head and braid it. And I would literally helicopter it and hit the boys with it when I was in (laughs) kindergarten. But I've just always had long hair. It was like my security blanket. So whenever I found out, you know, that was the first question I asked was, is this chemo going to make me lose my hair? And my oncologist was like, I'm so sorry. But Mm. yes, it will. So it was just tough. You just don't feel like yourself and you lose your eyebrows and your, your eyelashes and you just, you don't look human and just losing that control, I think was really hard for me. Um, just feeling like cancer was winning Mm. was just a constant reminder, but what was I'm blessed. Swimsuit check. Sunscreen check. Phone charger check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What was something you could do to combat that? I mean, were you able to find some beautiful scarves that you liked or were you able to get a wig that you, that you liked? Yeah. I um actually just a week after I was released from the hospital, cause there was a nurse that I, I did have in the hospital that was receiving chemo treatments. And she said, I know this sounds crazy. She said, but on the 17th day after your first chemo treatment, you're going to start losing your hair pretty intensely. And I was like, how on earth could anybody know this? But on, on the 18th morning, um, I woke up and my pillow was completely covered. Hmm. Um, but, but right before that, I've went to the same hairstylist for years. I love her. Love you, Lindsay Cooper. Hmm. She, um, when I told her that I was sick and what was going on, she said, I'm coming to your house and we'll, you know, we'll do whatever you want to do at home in the comfort of your own home. So you don't have to be around anyone or be in public. So she invited all of my girlfriends over and we just had appetizers and just sat around and she cut my hair in a a short like bob Mm. um, up on my shoulders. And I actually sent, she sent my hair off uh, and had a wig made for me out of my own hair, which was really cool. Yeah. So I, I still got to be me, even though I didn't, necessarily you know look like me I still had my my own hair which was cool incredible I didn't even know that was possible yeah so you kind of made a mini celebration out of it you know (laughs) a little little party Uh, yeah you know so cancer obviously it's it's a huge physical disease but the emotional and 
and spiritual. Uh, it's, it's, it's all of those things. So what about this, the emotional side, uh, that this cancer took on you? What, what was the toll like for you? Uh, I never dreamed that cancer could be as emotional as it was. Um, the depression, you, I mean, you get really depressed. Your physical appearance is changing. You have no control over it. You have no control over anything in your life at, at that time. Mm-hmm. You're fatigued. You can't do much. So, I mean, it's depressing. You have constant anxiety. Just is this coming back? Every time I would cough, everyone in my family or the room would just dart their eyes to me like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just the it's constant scary. anxiety of thinking that it's going to come back, even if you beat it you know, how long do you have on earth or how long do you, I mean, it's just, it's so emotional and it's isolating. You don't, no one really understands what you're going through except for other cancer survivors. So I kind of built my own little community Mm -hmm. of cancer survivors and talked to them almost daily uh, just to feel some support. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I didn't expect was the guilt. Every time that I, and this, I'm sure this might sound strange. Maybe it's just me. I might be the only person that felt this way. I don't know. But every time that I would see or hear somebody that had passed away and had cancer, I just felt so guilty that I was doing so good that mm-hmm. it would, it was something I didn't expect and I can't even really describe it. But um, it was tough. It was very isolating and it was very emotional. Um, spiritually, I would say, and this may sound morbid or something, but I think most cancer patients, when you hear that word, you feel closer to death. Like you don't know how long you've got or what's getting ready to go down, but um, it makes you feel closer to God or it did me. I felt, mm-hmm. I felt much closer to him and definitely spoke and prayed probably more than I ever have. I always have, but you definitely get closer because you don't know. When I love that you've written about uh, this term that you say, prayer power, and I love that <laughs> term. So how is that essential to this piece of, of uh, getting inner strength to be able to face these really difficult times? Prayer power. Uh, I do like that post. Um, That's a beautiful one. It's The only way I can describe it is whenever I put all of my eggs in that basket and I put all of my faith in there too, like 100%, no doubts, he always seems to answer my prayer. Um, But it takes a lot of, you know, faith and putting putting those eggs in there. Mm -hmm. Um, A few examples would be when I was pregnant, uh, well, before I got pregnant, like I said before, I just kept praying um, you know, God, let me get pregnant. Let me get pregnant. And he, he did. He allowed me to get pregnant. And then I had the miscarriage. And when the doctor mm-hmm. said it wasn't anything you did, it was just an unhealthy pregnancy, uh, you know, an unhealthy embryo. I just got down on my knees and started praying, God, you know, I've been praying for the wrong thing. Please just let me have a healthy baby. So at that time, I even prayed for nine months. If you were to give this child any kind of disease, any kind of illness, cancer, whatever. And I did say the word cancer for nine months. Just give it to me instead. And um, I think that's, it helped me a lot uh, Mm -hmm. going through this because I never batted an eye because in my head I'd prayed about it and he was letting me take this from Macy. So I just went full steam ahead and Mm -hmm. just knocked it out. And 
the another <laughs> prayer power was when I was 12 weeks pregnant with Macy, we were scheduled to go on our third mission trip to Guatemala. And everyone was like, are you crazy? This is a third world country. You're not even 13 weeks yet. You've already, you know, you miscarried. What are you doing? My mom cried and begged me not to go. And mm-hmm. I just put all of my eggs in the basket that if I was going on a mission trip and doing God's work, he wasn't going to let anything happen to me. And he didn't. So mm. that was probably. And I think the the third thing I wrote about, about in that post was two days after I got released from the hospital, I just had my first round of chemo. And uh, one of my best friends, Renee, she does pictures and I said, you know, I, I I know I'm going to beat this, but just in case I don't, I want you to come over, take some family pictures before my hair, my hair starts falling out. Mm. And, you know, just just to have um, for the future. And the weather was looking terrible. The sky was black. And she was texting me. She's like, I don't think it's a good day. Let's let's reschedule. And I was like, you know, time's not my friend right now. Let's just do it. I'm praying about it. And I, I, I know he's going to. I want outside pictures and I know he's going to let me have outside pictures. So she shows up and the sky's black and it just looks terrible. And mm-hmm. she starts setting up her equipment and it was like, I don't, it was like a movie. The sky opens up. It's beautiful. It starts. The sun is just beating down on us. We get our outside pictures for like 15, 20 minutes and we start wrapping it up and coming inside and the sky turns black and there is oh. golf size, golf ball size hail falling oh. Um, on the the space where we just took pictures so she was kind of amazed she was like oh my gosh (laughs) so I love those I love those those you know just those little signs that you just need in those those really hard moments yes for someone who has a loved one who is battling cancer what is something that your friends or family did that was really helpful on those days where you felt like you lacked your own inner strength? Oh, I have amazing family and amazing friends. I get emotional just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were building a house uh, in the time that I was pregnant, and it wasn't finished uh, by the time Macy came, and it was supposed to be. Um, when I was in the hospital, those 11 days when I got the diagnosis, um, we still hadn't got to move into our new house. And my best friends all, without me knowing, uh, contacted my sweet little husband and got the key from him because we just hadn't had a chance. I wasn't feeling good and just things were happening. They went to my three storage units, moved all of the furniture in my house, placed it, set it my nursery. Just amazing, amazing stuff. But I mean, I know everybody can't do that for their friend, but they were constantly, they came over one night and brought fingernail polishes and, you know, remover and stuff. And we, we did our own little pedicures one night after my chemo and they were constantly bringing over. One of my friends in the neighborhood was bringing dishes of food to Travis and Macy mm-hmm. to help them out. Cause if I had chemo on Friday, I usually didn't get out of bed until at least Monday afternoon or Tuesday. Cause mm-hmm. it would just wipe me out. Um, my parents obviously, and my my in-laws were here all the time trying to relieve Travis because uh, he was taking care of me and Macy all week long yes. um, by himself. But just, oh my, I got so many cards in the mail and just amazing, uplifting things constantly that just just made it better, made it okay. 
Well, you deserve it, Danielle. I know just even talking to you that you do those same things for everybody. And it just is amazing to see how that love can be returned when you need it. And I, I was thinking about your husband and your little daughter as they're going, as you're going through this really hard time. They are too. And they're right there with you. How are they able to make it through this time? You, that's you know, that's a good question because my husband was so strong that he never cried in front of me. He never got emotional or upset or angry. He just, he kept his game face on and he was at every appointment, every chemo, every, he did not leave my side. Um, and Macy, oh my goodness, she was growing like a weed uh, and everybody, they would kind of just take a back seat when I was on my good days and, uh, just let me spend family time in between. But Travis was a trooper. My husband, he, he was my rock through it. And he, he just stayed strong for all of us. And I guess it just reciprocated. And, you know, I've been curious what good can come from cancer. So what, what does cancer teach you to appreciate more? And what does it teach you to let go of? That's easy. Time. Um, Mm -hmm. You just don't really appreciate time unless you're looking at a diagnosis like cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know, we drive around every day in our cars and in flying in planes and you never think, oh, I'm going to crash and die today. So you don't really appreciate the time that you have until you know that, you know, there could potentially be an end date. Uh, mm-hmm. We just don't think about an end date to our lives until... You know, you get sick or something uh, happens to you. So you definitely appreciate every single moment um, (laughs) that there is. And what you let go of, I would say anything negative. Um, If it's not worth filling up those last precious moments that you could possibly ever have, then it's not worth holding on to at all. So anger and negativity and just hate, you just just dispose that stuff. You know, how, how is your health now and how has your recovery been? I know that you said you were cancer-free six treatments in, but um, I'm just curious about how the development of the recovery has been for you. I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still see lagging side effects, but they're slowly going away. Uh, my oncologist told me to expect those things for six to 12 months after my last chemo. Uh, I'm nine months out. I'm nine months cancer-free mm-hmm. since my last treatment. Wonderful. But I'm doing good. My my energy level isn't probably all the way back. Uh, I, I'll get short-winded when I go upstairs. Or if it's really hot outside, I feel like I'm smothering a little bit. But a lot of that's probably just from the scarring uh, around my lungs. Oh, but um, I'm pretty normal besides all of those things. I do have scans every three months mm-hmm. just to make sure that the cancer's gone. And then after a year or two, that'll switch to like every six months. And then we'll do it once a year for however many years they want to go. But right now, I'm I'm pretty much back to normal. I'm doing really good. That's great. And, and, you know, I I was talking to someone who had a heart transplant. And he had said that it was more after the transplant and he got better that he dealt with some really hard emotional side uh, that he hadn't dealt with before. Um, has that been the case for you, or do you feel like you've been able to find a steady growth to getting back to the Danielle you know? I, it's funny uh, that you asked that. I, 
I think the entire time that I was going through treatment, I never let myself believe it. Mm. And then it was like a few months after my last chemo treatment, I was talking to my best friend, Zoe, and I was like, did I, did that just happen? Did I have <laughs> cancer and just have 12 rounds of chemo? And she was like, are you just figuring it out? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I had completely wow. blocked it out and just didn't, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And then after it was all over and I was seeing things that was like cancer free and people were congratulating me, mm-hmm. it kind of hit me then. I was like, whoa, I just, I had cancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like hit you all that you had been through, you know? Yeah, it was like I put that on the, the back burner mm-hmm. until um, the stress and stuff was gone. And then it kind of hit me like a, a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I realized, whoa, that just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I was wondering how you feel about your hair, too. Because I've seen pictures of your hair now, and I just think <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's what people would take pictures of to their hairdressers to get what what you have now, but I'm sure that's still something that you're coming to terms with. Uh, yes, it is. It's definitely a change, which I, I'm not complaining by any means. It definitely beats the alternative, no matter sure. how much I hair I have, uh-huh. but, um, it's definitely an adjustment. I, it's coming back in a different texture, um, mm. than it was before. My hair was always straight before and now it's curly mm. and I'm like, what, what do you do with this stuff? Like, it's just, <laughs> What do you do? I, yeah. I bought a straightening iron and I've just been trying to straighten it here and there to make it stand down a little bit. But that's that's funny that you said that. My sister-in-law lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and she was showing a picture to her hairdresser of my hair when it first yeah. started growing back. Yeah. And all I could do with it was make like a mohawk which I called a faux hawk. And her hairdresser was like, oh my gosh, I've been dying to get somebody to cut their hair like this. I've been dying to do this. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it wasn't her choice. It's just, you know, it's coming back that way. So I guess that's how I would describe it. It's not my choice to have short hair, but I'm just happy. You know, I got a little mad on your behalf when you told a story about the gentleman at Costco (laughs) holding the card up. Can you tell me that story? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so I uh, I had long hair, obviously, before. And on the Costco cards, your picture is on the back, which, I mean, that's a terrible uh, quality picture anyway. Uh-huh. But you can tell that I had longer hair. So I was checking out at Costco one day. I was just buying a birthday cake. And the the guy checking me out, sit, he took my card and he looked at it. And he looked at me and he looked at my card and he looked back. And I, then he said, this isn't you. And I said, yes, it is. And he was like. I don't believe you. And I said, well, I've got other cards. And he said, did you get a haircut or something? And I said, no, I got cancer and it all fell out. But um, so no, I didn't get a haircut. But yeah, my hair is shorter. (laughs) And he still just stood there in disbelief for a second, I think, until it hit him. And then he was like, oh, my gosh. He's like, "Okay, well, have a good day. Oh, my goodness. That one made me so mad. (laughs) But I loved Women your spunk. Women their hair all the time, so. Yeah. I loved your spunk, yeah. though, and how you dealt with that, and how, <laughs> you know, you can feel, you can get a little, 
righteous anger there about someone who's yeah. rude and and not treating you right but i like your spunk behind it and you know besides your spunk i i love your positivity and and your faith Thank too you. I, I i loved reading your blog that you ended up starting through all of this so Thank i've been you. i've been curious danielle though has this has this always been a strength of yours this ability to see life through rose-colored glasses or is it something that you had to learn I think so. I think um, I've learned more about myself since the diagnosis. And I, I realize every day that I'm so much like my dad. My dad always tries to make people feel comfortable. And that's a trait that I guess I've always had and I've done. But I never really realized it um, until all of this. But I've always tried to flip anyone's problems positive just because it made me feel more comfortable. And in turn, I always hope that it makes them feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um like my friend Renee, who took my pictures, she was pregnant with her first child and she'd been in labor for like a million hours or something. Mm. And they were like, we're going to have to do a C-section because you're just, you know, your your body's stressed and all this stuff. And I said, can I just go back and see her for a minute? And they were like, sure, just for a second. And I get back there and I just start trying to make light of the situation and make jokes and just get her mind off of it, make her feel comfortable. And within minutes, she had dilated, went from a two to dilated to a 10 and they kicked me out and she had the baby just minutes later so she still tells me that I'm the reason that Tucker was born because I got her mind off of it and she Mm. was able to you know just focus on something else but Mm -hmm. I guess I guess it's how I've always been Mm -hmm. and you know not only are you turning to this choice of of being happy I love that you also turn to service. So I see you doing that now with your uh, recovery. You've been turning to trying to help some organizations. So tell us more about what you're doing there. Yeah. Um, so I work with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, obviously. Mm-hmm. They have a walk called Light the Night that they do in all the cities around the United States once a year. Um, it's to shed light on the dark world of cancer. And it's actually a, it's not a, really a 5k but you they give you a lantern and you either get white for a survivor you get red if you're there to support somebody or yellow if you're walking in memory of someone and the walk is actually after it gets dark at night and you light your lantern up and you walk with that lantern and Mm. it's just oh it's an amazing walk if anybody you know is interested anything like that they should look up their nearest walk because it it really is um moving Uh, my friend back I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask, is it usually on the same day for across the country or does each uh, place have its own timeline that they do it? Yeah, each city has their own timeline. Okay. Now tell me about your friend you were going to say. I'm sorry. Uh, My friend back home, I'm from like two hours east of here. Um, She started a charity called Beyond Measure where she helps cancer patients or women like get wigs and stuff like that and she tries to help pay for that stuff so I'm going to try to work with her a little bit this year and help her out but my favorite charity is called Compassion That Compels Mm -hmm. Um, it was started by a lady named Christiana Stewart down in Louisiana and she watched her sister-in-law battle breast cancer Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately didn't survive it but just being that close to her she really she saw the little little things that really helped her sister when she was going through treatment and she made it her mission in life to create these compassion bags, which are just chemo bags for women fighting all different types of cancer. And she fills these bags and she sends them all over the world. Oh, um, wow. 
to women battling all different types of cancer. And I was a recipient of one of those bags. That's how I got involved. I was shopping in my favorite retail store, which is, it's called Altered State. It's a Christian retail store. And the little gal, I was actually there the day my hair started falling out. And my husband was like, just go buy something pretty. Because I was a mess. I was in shambles. He said, just go to your favorite store, buy something pretty, buy whatever you want to make you feel better. And I was there and I noticed they had head wraps that would cover your hair. And the little girl um, that was waiting on me, I guess I shared with her why, you know, I was looking for something like that. I just started losing my hair from chemo. And she called and had this um, charity send me this chemo bag, Mm. which was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I got affiliated with them. And now I uh, deliver bags to women fighting cancer. So it's really cool. You should check it out. Oh, I I absolutely will. Can you tell us the name of that one more time? Yeah, it's CompassionThatCompels.org. Great. And um, I want people to be able to access you and your blog, too. So tell us where to find you before I ask (laughs) you one more question. Okay. It's www.MyBeBrave.wordpress.com. Great. And it's such a fantastic read, Danielle. You really are an amazing writer. I know you told me that you never planned on starting a blog, but it's, I, I love reading what you say and how you say it. You do have a gift for that. Thank you. I have a final question for you. I wanted to know what you have learned about yourself throughout all of this. Hmm. Um, well, I guess, like I said before, you really don't know how strong you are until you don't have any other choice or any other option. Uh, I always knew that I was pretty strong uh, mentally and physically, I guess, but just not to the extent. Um, I never got down about cancer. I never let it get to me. I just kind of focused and kept my eye on the prize, and I took that bull by the horns, and I wrestled it to the ground. So I guess the strength thing, I did not know I was that strong. Um, I guess another thing would be I was always the girl that had the special dress in the back of the closet, and I would only I would wait to wear it for a special occasion, and half the time that would never come. Um, but from here on out, I think I'm going to try to be the girl that wears that special dress just to dinner at home <laughs> and just enjoy every every moment because every day is a special occasion now. Oh, Danielle, I love that so much. You've been such a joy to talk to. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Isn't Danielle such a force? She is a year cancer-free now and doing very well. I've included a lot more photos of her, her family, and her chemotherapy journey on my website, aboutprogress.com. You can also see there her blog, which I highly recommend reading through. She's a very good writer. Thank you so much, Danielle. It was just a pleasure to get to know you better. I want to thank those of you who listen each week and who have left reviews. We are currently at 72 formal reviews, so well on my way to hit my goal of 80 reviews by mid-November. Let me share one of the most recent reviews. It's really short, which is all you need to do. It says, this podcast is valuable and entertaining. I enjoy the content and message of progress over perfect. It is a good fit for mothers who are at different ages and stages in their journey raising children. I really love that review. Thank you so much to Maria who left it. And if you can do that for me, it would be so, so helpful. 
Thank you for sticking around, for sharing the podcast, for subscribing, and for connecting with me online. I love this little community, and I feel so strongly about what this podcast is doing. I'll see you next Wednesday for another great interview, and until then, take care of yourself. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.